We come before you this morning, Lord, thanking you and praising you for all that you have done. All that you did on the cross and through your resurrection. For the hope, for the life, for the love, for the forgiveness, for the grace that has been afforded us through what you have finished. We come this morning, Lord, just all that we are. In our sin, Lord, your redemption is found. In the midst of our anxiety, your peace that passes all understanding guards our hearts and our minds. In our shame, we find your grace. In our weakness, your power is made perfect. So Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on this earth in us as it is in heaven. And we will give you all the power and glory and majesty and praise and honor. For it's the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Dun, 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 Name that tune. Mission Impossible. I grew up on Mission Impossible. It shows you, and not the movies, for those of you who are young. There was actually a television show. Back in the late 60s, early 70s, it was in syndication, and I grew up as a kid loving the idea that there was this group of spies, and wherever they went, they'd be in disguise, and they'd be, go to any country and become uh, these, you know, these spies to take care, and, and just the, the whole premise. There's this mission should you choose to accept it? Wow. Stuff that gets a, a, a young boy's heart going. We are, I, I thought about Mission Impossible this week because we are moving back into our series on the book of Acts. So grab your Bibles if you've got them. We're going to go to Acts, the 15th chapter, where we left off before Lent. For those of you who are new or visiting with us, uh, let me just give you a real brief uh, introduction to kind of where we're at. For the last three years as a church, we have been going through a three-year cycle about the kingdom of God, and it began with the kingdom within. The second year was kingdom community right here, uh, the, our community with other believers, and then this is our third year, kingdom sending. So as part of the year of kingdom sending, we are spending the entire church year with the uh, little brief respite for uh, the Advent season at Christmas and the Lent season at Easter. We're going through this book, The Acts of the Apostles, which tells the story, it tells the history of that first uh, several decades after Jesus rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, how the church of Jesus Christ 
literally, and it even says that they said, turn the world upside down. So as we are thinking about, as a church, how do we bring the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, we've been going through the book of Acts. Well, how did it happen then? We've been finding all sorts of amazing themes that are relevant for us today. Number one, Acts 1.8 is our theme verse for this entire year. It says, Jesus said, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So there's this idea of Holy Spirit coming on the followers of Christ and this expanding concentric circles of influence out into the world. A couple of the things that have come out for us here in the auditorium or in the first two sections of Acts. One I would say is this. Kingdom purpose requires personal surrender. That's one of the theme that has come back time and time and time again. Where it's as Jesus' followers surrender to his will that they are empowered to do the kingdom work. The other one is that there's this sense of, of the kingdom operating on four levels. One is that individual level where the kingdom is happening inside the believer, and there's this, this change. That's level one. Level two is that kingdom community where Holy Spirit is working in midst of all of the followers together in the body of Christ. Level three is where the power brokers of this world have their power and dominion. It's the place of business and institutions and politics and the the things of this world. And then level four is God's eternal kingdom that Jesus wants to bring to earth and to infuse all the other levels with his kingdom. So now, where are we at in the book of Acts? We're in the 15th chapter. What has happened is that the the kingdom has been exploding throughout uh, the region of the Middle East and pushing into Greece. And thousands, tens of thousands of people have become followers in Jesus. There was this conflict between the Jewish believers and those who were not Jewish believers. And as we left right before Lent, there was this major council because one of the big issues was, do those who want to follow Jesus have to become Jewish? And with that, the sign of it for the males was being circumcised. And so there were some saying, yes, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you must be Jewish, you must follow our laws, you must follow our traditions, you must follow all of the rituals including men must be circumcised. Well, at the Council of Jerusalem in the 15th chapter, they decided once and for all that no, we, we, we have been freed from the law. Did we just, didn't we just see that? The cross has the final word, we have been freed from the law, therefore we don't have to go back to it and enslave ourselves once again to this uh, Jewish law. We have been freed from that, so so no more. You don't have to become Jewish to be a follower of Jesus. So they wrote a letter, and they pass out and said, we're going to now take this out 
to all of the believers, and that's where we pick up the story. Acts 15, let's begin reading in verse 36. Sometimes later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, Barnabas the encourager wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. So in the first missionary journey, they got to the town of Pamphylia, Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark. Now John Mark was a young man. His mother was one of the leaders in the church in Jerusalem. John Mark is the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. We don't know why he left, Paul and Barnabas. But at, some, at this point, he decided, nope, I'm going to go back to Jerusalem. So now Paul says, no, Mark deserted us. We're not going to take him along. Doesn't deserve it. Can't trust him. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where the disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra or Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised Timothy because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia, and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once, to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So let's take a look at what's going on in the mission that, that Christ has. This mission impossible to turn the world upside down. Holy Spirit, come upon you. You're going to be my witnesses, and you're going to go to all the parts of the world. I want to talk about three, what I would call, meta-themes this morning and set us up for where we're going to go in the final weeks of this study of Acts. We're going to continue on through the month of July, and we're going to go from chapters 15, now beginning 16, all through chapter 28. And before we get into the word, I want to step back 
and look at a couple of larger themes. One, the mission that we have studied thus far in the book of Acts is inclusive of every member of the body of Christ. Did you hear Mike this morning when he talked about the, the, the veil, the curtain in the temple? That when Jesus died, the curtain was ripped open, making it clear that the, the, the veil that had separated God from humanity had been torn. And Jesus made the way for all of us to have access to the kingdom, access to God. One of the interesting things that we're going to see in Acts beginning this week is that there is a shift of focus from the 12 and everything that's going on with James in Jerusalem. The focus from this point on in the book of Acts is completely about Paul. Now you'll notice in, verse, in chapter 16, the last verse that we read this morning in verse 10 says, after Paul had seen the vision, we. There is a shift in pronouns beginning today in this verse. In other words, Luke, who wrote the Acts of the Apostles, joined Paul and Barnabas and Silas in the mission. And he joined, he went with Paul and Silas when Barnabas and John Mark went to Cyprus. So now, from this point on, the focus is going to be on Paul. Here's what I have observed as a follower of Jesus through almost 40 years. It is very easy for us to take and And as we study all that Paul did, and from now on, from 16 through 28, 12 chapters, we're just going to talk about Paul. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And it's very easy for us to get focused on, well, God called Paul. But let's stop. Wait a minute. What have we been seeing happen through the first 15 chapters? It started with the 12 and Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and James, the brother of Jesus. And then think about all the people that we have met in these first 15 chapters. There's Matthias, and there are the Hellenists, Stephen, and Philip, and Prochius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Nicholas. And then we have Saul, and Ananias, who God sent to be with Saul. And there's Aeneas, and Dorcas, and Cornelius, and his whole household, this Roman centurion who follows Christ. There is Barnabas who goes and brings Saul back and helps launch his ministry. There's John Mark. There are all these people. And what we see is that the paradigm has shifted. See, in the Old Testament, in the temple, like Mike was sharing about this morning, you had this curtain. And only the priest could go through the curtain to be with God. So once a year, he'd go through the curtain. But all of you, if you're standing outside, you can't go to God. Only the priest. Because what is a priest? A priest is someone who stands. The priest is the conduit between the human and God. Now, put your finger 
in Acts, right where we got it in 16, I want you to go back to the book of Revelation, chapter 5 of the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible. John is in the throne room of heaven. He's, he is having a vision. He is in the throne room of heaven. And chapter 5, verse 9. And they, all this host of the elders and the angels and thousands are in the throne room with God. And they sang a new song saying, You, Lamb of God who's sitting on the throne, you, the Lamb, are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign in heaven. No, it doesn't say that. What does it say? They will reign on earth. In other words, it is no longer this paradigm of there are a chosen few who are our priests who give us the, are the conduit for us to get to God. The veil has been torn. Every person who follows Christ has become a part of the kingdom and a priest. Peter said that we are the priesthood of all believers. In other words, people, you are the mission. I am the mission. We are the kingdom. And it's not just for Pastor Kevin, and it's not just for Pope, uh, Pope Francis, and it's not just for the, it's the, the, for the chosen few. Everyone. And what we have seen in Acts is everyone. Do you notice what it began with the 12? From here on out, we will no longer hear about the 12 in the book of Acts. We're, uh, uh, Barnabas and John Mark go to Cyprus. We will not hear about Barnabas again. What does that mean? That he's no longer a part of the kingdom? No, the mission changed. He went to Cyprus. He had a fruitful ministry in Cyprus, and that was where he was martyred, giving his life for Christ on the island of Cyprus. And just because Acts no longer tells us that story does not mean that the story ended. And I, have, I, I want us to understand that, that the theme that we've seen from the beginning continues. The 12, what's left of them, who haven't been martyred, are going to go out throughout the world. The ministry of all believers is continuing even though our focus is on Paul. So don't think for a moment that it's only Paul. Okay? Two. So number one is the mission is inclusive of every believer in the body of Christ. Two. The mission is as diverse as the body itself. I love that Paul gave us the, the word picture of the body of Christ with all of its parts and all of its various and sundry pieces because it's what? It's a living organism. And it's made up of so many different parts. And every part has a part to play in the mission of the kingdom of God. I love it because here's the thing. We're all different. Paul and Barnabas had a fruitful ministry together. But guess what? It got to the part where they, were, they got into disagreement. Paul was a hothead. Anybody know a hothead? 
Yeah, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you can't uh, serve Christ. We serve Christ in all of our weaknesses. We serve Christ, we serve the kingdom in all of our giftedness and in all of our sin. In all of, you know, all of the, the good parts of us and all of the not so perfect parts of us. We serve the kingdom, all of us, in all of it. So now we have the son of encouragement, Barnabas, and we have Paul, the zealous hothead, boom, and they clash. Fine, I'll take John and Mark, I'll go to Cyprus, fine. <laughs> I'll take Silas, and I'll go back to the churches that we began, and they divided their ways. But guess what? God uses us even in our weaknesses and our sins and our divisions and our brokenness. Now all of a sudden they're divided and guess what? The word of God went to both Cyprus and to Asia Minor because they separated. I have, uh, in my years, you know, I've worked in a lot of churches, I've worked in ministries, um, and I haven't always gotten along <laughs> with people that I've been in ministry with. I can even tell you stories of a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of instances in my journey where I basically just had to say, you know, you go your way and I go mine. And guess what? God continued to use me and continued to use those with whom I separated. And I can see it. Now here's one of the things that's important to know. That by the end of Paul's life, John Mark was back with Paul when he was in prison in Rome, working with Paul. Paul, in his letters, would talk about how important Barnabas was in his life and in his ministry at the end. There was a break, but there was reconciliation bring back in. And there was a reason why God used and redeemed even the differences between the two of them. See, the mission is diverse as the body itself, and God uses the differences. All of us. You have a part to play. I have a part to play in my giftedness, in your giftedness, in my temperament, in your temperament, in the places where God has me, in the places where God has you. The kingdom work is everywhere. And that brings us to the third point, that the mission of the kingdom of God is right where Christ has led you. Wherever you are, there is the mission. Wait a minute, what? Yeah. As a priest of the Most High King, as part of the priesthood of all believers, when you go to work, you are a priest of the kingdom of God at work. You are a conduit. When you go to school... You are a priest of the kingdom of God in that school. You are a conduit. When you go to your activities, when you go to your neighborhood, when you go to your neighbor's house, when you go out in the evening with your friends, you 
are a priest of the Most High. Does that make you nervous? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You see, we have lost sight. We've lost sight of the concept of the ministry of all believers, of the priesthood of all believers, of the giftedness of all believers, of the calling to the kingdom of everyone who is a follower of Christ. So what does this mean? Look at verse chapter 16. I found it interesting. So Paul goes on and he says, he tries to go to Asia. Verse 6 of 16. But the Holy Spirit kept him from Asia. He, uh, then he wouldn't allow him to go in uh, chapter, uh, verse 7. Then he wouldn't allow him to go to Asia. And then he goes on and he gets a vision from a guy from Macedonia. He says, well, let's go there. And do you get the sense that he's like going, I don't know, I'm just going to go. <laughs> oh, God stopped me there, so I'm going to go over here. Wherever Paul found himself, wherever the Christ led him, he was taking the kingdom with him. We have the same mission. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. So what does this mean for Third Church? What does it mean for us here as an auditorium family? One of the things that I've seen over the last several years is that, that what Holy Spirit seems to be doing here among us is a reclaiming of this kingdom work, a reclaiming of who we are called to be in Christ. And it's good stuff. In the year 313, I find it fascinating that uh, Constantine, the emperor of Rome, became a Christian. And at that moment, Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire became the Holy Roman Empire. And here's what I've discovered, is that as soon as the kingdom that we read about in Acts became an empire, and I have to hear the Star Wars theme, dun, 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 dun. When the kingdom became an empire, what happened? It went back to having priests and bishops and people who stood between God and man. And I'm beginning to think that maybe the enemy was the one who was behind that. Because for 1,700 years, we as a church have largely followed this concept that the kingdom is about a chosen few who are called to ministry while the rest of us just go about our worldly lives. It's time to reclaim the paradigm, the kingdom paradigm that Jesus gave us in the book of Acts. Let's pray. Jesus, make us part of your kingdom. <laughs> Help us to step up to the mission 
the mission, should you choose to accept it. God, forgive us for so long we have not accepted the mission that you've given us. We have slunk in fear or shame or unworthiness or feeling less than. We have decided to embrace the world while we give you a nod on Sunday morning. Forgive us. Help us to embrace your Acts 1-8 mission this day, this time. And may your kingdom go forth with power through us in the name of Christ.